For one last time, The Expats is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Find out more at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Ireland, the home of James Joyce, Colin Farrell, and you too, to name but a few. The capital of the Republic of Ireland is Dublin, which is also the largest city in Ireland with a population of about 1.9 million living in the greater Dublin area. During the Middle Ages, Dublin was a Viking settlement, and it was also a big focus in the slave trade during the 9th and 10th centuries. The city sits on the west coast of Ireland at the mouth of the River Liffey, and one of its modern claims to fame is that it's the home of scores of high-tech companies' offices in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. According to an article on Tech Life Ireland, social media companies Google, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn are based in Dublin, as are e-commerce companies like Amazon, Etsy, Groupon, PayPal, Airbnb, and Uber. Then you've got IT companies like HP, Dell, Microsoft, and Symantec, based in Dublin. And gaming companies like EA, PopCap, Riot, and Zynga, they're also based here. Finally, so is Adobe, Dropbox, Salesforce, and SAP. It's a different place than it was in those 9th and 10th centuries. Join me one last time as we visit a seasoned expat on the Emerald Isle and in the great Irish city of Dublin on the expats. Welcome to The Expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Cadence Conopaki lived in Ireland around the year 2000, and then she lived in England from 2002 to 2005. She came back to Canada after that, but decided that Ireland was calling her once again. So she moved back there in September of 2015. But that's not where I reached her for this conversation. She was kind enough to take the time out of a weekend trip to Berlin to chat with me on this final episode. I'm loving Berlin. It is so fantastic. I've never been here before, as you probably saw in my post. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. It's every. It's more than what I thought it was going to be. To be honest, I thought it was going to be German London or German New York or however you want to put it. Okay. But it's not at all like that it's it's berlin i guess <laughs> <laughs> does it have uh, does it have the feel of any kind of city you visited before it's very neighborhood based i was told that before i came it's very neighborhood based so you know i'm i'm at a friend's apartment right now and he lives in the turkish district and we were walking around and it felt like i i felt like i was in israel actually um just because it's so um 
so Turkish and, you know, all the, all the cafes and stuff have signage in Arabic and everybody's sitting out on the street because the street is all Turkish and Arabic and that sort of thing. But then when you go to a different neighborhood, it reminded me a little bit of Copenhagen when I was in Copenhagen. And then another neighborhood kind of reminded me a little bit more of New York. So yeah, it's very, very neighborhood based. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> it sounds like a true international city. Mm, yeah. The one thing I really like about it that's different from um, places like London or Paris or New York is that it's not as busy. Mm. And I think that's so that's one thing I don't like about places like London and New York and, and such. I like visiting them, but I would never live there is they're so busy and highly populated. Whereas I went on this walking tour yesterday. And one of the things she told us was that Berlin is a city that was built for 8 million, but there's only three and a half million people that actually live here. So the streets are, they're not, em they're not empty, but they're not like what you would picture when you go to other places, you know, like London or, or wherever. Um, there's actually neighborhoods yesterday when I was wandering through them that were like they were empty. <laughs> oh, wow. Nobody was around. Um, yeah, it was really, it was in, if you stopped, it was almost a little bit eerie, um, but wonderful, but wonderful. I really like that. And the tour guide was saying, she's like, oh, you know, as you know, Berlin is continuing to grow and one day it'll be more like, you know, Paris or wherever. And in my mind, I was like, no, because <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that you have that huge, big city feel, but not, you know, nobody's bumping into you at all times. And it feels a little bit slower paced and things like that. In, in a so, few years, yeah, you can come back to Berlin when it has grown to the point where it doesn't feel like the place that you're visiting now. And you can make yeah. Berlin great again. <laughs> <laughs> kick everybody out i want to go back to half the population <laughs> <laughs> awesome well i'm glad you're having a good time out yeah. there and i i really appreciate that you're taking the time out of your afternoon to chat with me on the last no episode worries, of no the expats i know that's crazy honestly i feel like intimidated by it because i'm uh yeah i don't know that i'm i'm your i, I was thinking about i'm like i'm either the headline or i'm like the easy way to ease out of it <laughs> <laughs> Part of the reason that I wanted to chat with you is because like, you know, we, we sort of knew each other in Edmonton. We crossed paths every now and then. And, and I just remember sure. like suddenly you, you were in Ireland I was, and I, I never really, <laughs> I couldn't really understand why. And I've sort of followed a bit of your journey there. So I, I mean, yeah, I think because you and I are both Edmontonians, um, mm -hmm. we, we can talk sort of on the on a level of understanding that maybe I wouldn't have with other interview subjects. So you seem like kind of the natural person sure. to chat with. It's not your first time away from home. I mean, you you said that you'd lived in uh, in Ireland in the year two thousand and in England from two thousand two two thousand five. You moved back right. to you're in uh, Dublin. I am in Dublin. Yes. Okay. So you moved back there in September of 2015. What is it that drew you out of Canada back to Ireland? <laughs> well, when I first lived in Ireland in 2000, 2001, I simply fell in love with Ireland is the easiest way to put it. The country and the people. And when I left, I think I may have cried more leaving Ireland than <laughs> when, I, when I went there the first time. Um because it just felt like it was home. So I then went back and, you know, continued on my life. But I always said 
that I would be back. Like I always said that to people, I will be back one day. And I also always said a little piece of my heart will always be in Ireland. Mm -hmm. um, I even had a clock for the longest time until I stopped putting batteries in it and then forgot for a while it was a little clock that was always set to Irish time that I got in Ireland, a beautiful, a beautiful clock. Um, it was just, it was just so much, it just felt like so much a part of me. So I was back living in, in Edmonton. Uh, I had moved around a bit. I'd also lived in England for a while, but I was in Edmonton. And to be honest, I just felt at a crossroads in my life. I felt like I was in this very odd place where I was loving my job. Um, I was working with the Free Will Shakespeare Festival, which I absolutely adore. And it was, it really was my dream job. But I felt like in a lot of other areas of my life, I wasn't fulfilled and something was, something was missing. And I kind of thought, you know, what, am I just going through the paces of my life and just, this is it? <laughs> um um, there's this, there's a wonderful quote, or it's not a meme, but a quote somewhere, or somebody said it about, you know, do you want to just live your life? Or do you want to create your life? It struck me. And I felt like I was just kind of living my life at that moment. And I really wanted to create my life. And the life I wanted to create was something a little bit uh, different from what I had in Edmonton. So I was like, well, what should I do? <laughs> and I looked at a number of different options. One was staying in Edmonton, absolutely. Going to Vancouver, where my parents are, going down to the States, because I have American citizenship being born there. But in the end, um, I was like, oh, and then there's always Ireland. I always said I'd go back there. So let me just look into what the op how how that could happen mm -hmm. um and i looked into it and the easiest and best way to go there would be or was to get a working holiday visa and the working holiday visa uh, i highly recommend to everybody to take advantage of those as much as you can but the, the thing about them is they're very time restricted so most places in the world you can only get a working holiday visa if you're under 30 and in ireland and a few other places in the world you have to be under 35 and i was um I believe I was, my timelines are so terrible, but I believe I was like 33 and a half. <laughs> uh, and you can get a working holiday visa for two years. And um, so I was like, well, I guess I'll just go now. <laughs> um, so I applied and the visa came back within like a month. And so I still, you know, gave my notice. And within basically from the, the time the process started to when I landed on the shores of Ireland was about six months, sold all my stuff, bought a ticket and there I was. Wow. Okay. So tell, this working holiday visa, do you have to have a job set up and ready to go for when you arrive or, or does it give you the permission to go and go job hunt in that country? That's exactly what it is. And that's why I highly recommend anyone who might be listening or talking to anyone else to really look into them. It's a wonderful and fantastic way to see the world. A working holiday visa really, it depends on the country. Some are for two years, some are for one year, um, et cetera, et cetera. But really it is an open visa to go to a country and search for a job and find a job um, that suits your skills or not. I don't know if they want to hire you and it doesn't suit your skills. That's fine too, but uh, really an open thing and you can, you can work with them. You don't have to be sponsored. So this is the thing a lot of people I don't like understand about moving to different countries. Um, even I wasn't, I guess, fully cognizant of it before is really, if you want to go to a different country, even though I think as Canadians, we think of ourselves as very privileged. A lot of us are um, uh, 
highly educated, you know, we're considered a lot of countries really like us and uh, consider Canadians great people. That doesn't mean you can just pick up and rock over to Australia or Cambodia or Ireland anytime you want and just get a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do have to have permission to work there. Um, so most countries, well, how they set it up is that you have to have a visa and most of the time they require a company to sponsor you to come there which can be very hard because if you think about it if you're applying for a job from Canada let's say in Ireland um, that company has to look at well do I want to go through the six-month process as well as paying extra fees to bring that person over here or should I just go with somebody who's in Dublin already and legally allowed to work here Uh, so it's certainly a lot more competitive whereas this this working holiday visa just allows you to go there and be um, the same as any other citizen and and just pick up pick up work legally so okay that makes sense you you get this working holiday visa obviously you're going to go to Ireland and find a job did you know what kind of opportunities you were looking for having just sort of worked in arts and culture in Canada? Uh, and now you're in sort of the, this part of the world that has a long history of sort of arts and culture. And I often think of like Ireland and England and the United Kingdom as, you know, the, sh- the place of Shakespeare. You were just working at a company that did Shakespeare. So, so what was the plan? <laughs> Well, interesting. I think a, a lot of my most recent work history in Edmonton was very much around the arts. And actually for the 10 years I was in Edmonton, I was also working with Rapid Fire Theatre. So I do have a very strong connection to the arts community in Edmonton. But actually my working history and my education is more around my, my education, which is from in, my university education in England is called social policy, which is more a combination of, there's nothing really similar in Canada, but the closest I would say would be something around a cross between social work and uh, political science, I guess. So my background, I've always worked in nonprofits, regardless of whether or not they're arts or health-based or um, social, social, socio and economic based. So that was really more of my background. So when I came to Ireland, I was hoping to find something in a nonprofit sector and, and that's sort of something that would tie in my social policy background but at the same time I was really just open to just getting work Mm -hmm. um, and finding whatever at the same time when I left Canada again I was thinking about this idea of I really want to create my life and what does this life look like and at that point I was thinking you know I want this flexibility in my life to be able to live and work where I want without Um, being tied down to a location necessarily and certainly if I want to stay in Ireland for some length of time I'd like the flexibility to go back home to Canada so at that point I started to look into freelance work as well and I knew that I had this background in working with nonprofits, and I've always worked in more of a I guess a project management um human resources coordination all those sort of all those sort of roles so I knew I had a lot of strengths in that area So when I got to Ireland, I was really hoping to find something that was part-time that would also allow me to continue to grow and develop and work on this freelance part of my life as well. Wow. It sounds like you've got sort of a lot of flexibility in the choices of the kinds of work you want to do, which is what we were promised in the internet generation. So you're living the dream. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Easier said than done, I mean, in terms of reality. (laughs) Um, The funny thing is, yeah, so first of all, I mean, you could have a, well, there are whole podcasts about 
freelance work and, and the joys and benefits and downfalls of freelance life as well. Um, so certainly that's hard, especially when you're moving to a new country to start a freelance career with no contacts really. <laughs> yeah. So I would not necessarily advise that as being somebody's first strategy. Um, and at the same time, I moved to an economy that is quite uh, still, especially in terms of Dublin, quite competitive. So um, yeah, so it definitely wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be, but it's or as it, as I thought it was going to be when I first moved there, it took a little bit longer to find work. Um, and I had some really funny experiences where I think it was about, it was three months before I got my first interview, oh. which to me, was, yes. Right. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. These are the things I think people don't think about when they are thinking about moving abroad is this idea of, there are things that you will find surprising that are hard. So mm. one thing was, is even just how, or diff, hard and or different. So one thing was that I learned that I was just structuring my resume incorrect or differently. So right away, even though people didn't know where I was from, they could tell I wasn't, something was off because my resume was weird compared to how other, how Irish people would do it. So I had to change that. Yeah, so something little like that can be can be a big learning curve, and you don't think about it because you're like, oh, it's just Ireland; it's English speaking, no problem. I'm going to find work, and then you're like, oh, I can't even do my resume correctly. So back to the drawing board. For for me, it also was a really interesting experience of identifying with myself and where my identity lies because I'd never ever thought of my identity involving work or as as somebody as a worker but then with three months unemployment I mean I was working my freelance stuff as well but it wasn't wasn't quite enough to it, well definitely wasn't enough to sustain me um, I was, was drunk from my savings as well um, I just realized like what do I do with myself you know like <laughs> how do I fill my time? I'm used to a Monday to Friday, nine to five, or, you know, including weekends or whatever, if you're working in the arts, you know, and then now you have all this free time. And it was really a weird experience of kind of refiguring out like who you, who I was and, and my identity and being like, okay, well, I guess work is part of my identity. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Did, did that make you feel isolated at all? Yeah, it did actually. It did. I mean, I did have um, some friends there because of the fact that I'd already lived in Ireland in the past. So I knew people. So that was good. But certainly when you're, especially when you move to a new country, I, you, you rely on work. You don't realize how much you rely on work colleagues to broaden um, or, or even create your social net, your social network. So um, I didn't have that right away. So I didn't have anyone that I could really, that I, that I could develop these new friendships with or networks. So certainly it was, um, it contributed to the, to the challenge of the first few months in Ireland. I mean, it was still, it was still relatively easy um, in terms of the fact, like I said, I already knew some people and I knew some of the structures remembering from when I'd lived, from when I had lived there before um, compared to just being fresh off the boat. <laughs> but uh, it, it does, it was still a challenge. And that is something that we don't recognize, even in Canadian life. I don't think if people really, you don't think about it, but if you stop and think, you might realize, oh, wow, actually, a lot of my friends I've picked up 
after university have been through work and I've, you know, tagged them along with me. I may have left that workplace, but I'm still in touch with them because um, that's where we met and we developed a great network there mm-hmm. or connection. I just want to go back uh, for a moment to talk about the Irish resume. In what way is it different? Because like, that's something that never occurred to me that you'd have to structure a document in a way that's different for a country that, as you said, is, you know, with the exception of Gaelic and the accent and a few other little foibles is probably (laughs) the same as Canada. Yeah. Um, now I'll have to be careful how I say this because if anybody's listening and they plan to come to Ireland, please do not structure your resume based on this feedback. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, please go to uh, somebody who's certified, but, um, well, actually here, this is actually the best way to say it. Actually, most people when they're job hunting, this is the first one is they don't, a lot of people don't independently job hunt. A lot of people go through recruitment agencies. Hmm. So that was actually the first mistake I was making is that I wasn't going through a recruitment agency. I was just doing it on my own. Um, so that was the starting point of where I had messed up. And then if I'm remembering correctly, because it's been a couple of years now since I did it, but um, they prefer them. Now I'm going to say it's one way or the other. I, f- I forget if I was doing it too short or too long because I, my, my resume. And also I was structuring it with it the top of like in Canada, you see there's kind of two different formats you'll see, but the format of putting all your objectives on the top, kind of your objective of the type of, type of job you're looking for. And I'm seeking this and because I bring this skill or whatever. Um, and that's just not a format that they're used to seeing. So it was identifiable right off the bat. That, And I don't think necessarily that's a, a bad thing, but they were necessarily that I was judged against for that. I couldn't say, you know, might would probably depend on the HR manager if they like were like, oh, this person's not Irish. Uh, was that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to also, in- yeah, I don't want to also imply that, you know, I didn't get any resumes or any interviews because I was, you know, not Irish, but I don't know. You never know. Could be. Yeah. I-, I don't imagine that the Irish are super uh, racist about. <laughs> about <laughs> that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about Irish culture because I'm curious. You mentioned the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's something that we take for granted in Canada. We, we're fortunate that even in a, you know, downtimes, many of us can still make ends meet and we've got this nice connection to the United States economy that certainly helps ours. What's it like in Ireland? Is it uh, <laughs> all potatoes? <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny i made a joke about that the other day i was at we were eating hamburgers and we were at my favorite burger place which honestly is probably second best burger place i've ever gone to in my life anywhere in the world in dublin just shout out to that uh if you come to dublin bunsen gotta go there um and i I made a joke about how people were talking about potatoes and i was like oh ireland you've you you know that's the thing you've always had or something like that and my friend who's irish she like got very serious he's like oh no no, we have not always had potatoes, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, potato famine, of course. Right. Yeah, no, we, we, we forget about it. I was like, oh, right, sorry. They <laughs> actually history. they actually ran out of potatoes. They literally, <laughs> well, th- they had potatoes, but they were all being shipped externally. Right. Um, you know, to, to uh, you know, mostly to the England, so, um, and, and to other Commonwealth countries. So they, they could have, they were just taken away from them. That's my understanding of the potato famine. So the economy in Ireland is actually the number one industry from my understanding, or 
I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I would say there's two industries. One is agriculture mm -hmm. and the other is tech. And that's a very interesting combination. Agriculture and tech are the two largest industries in Ireland. Wow. Um, yes. So you will find in Ireland all the headquarters, well, not all, but the majority of the headquarters, European headquarters for major tech companies. So the Facebook European headquarters are in Dublin, Google, PayPal, um, uh, Airbnb, I don't know, you name it, uh, Fitbit, you name it, it's probably in Ireland, if not in Dublin. Um, they're all there. It's incredible, actually. Are there, are there uh, favorable laws in Ireland that allow those businesses to operate in the sort of optimal setting for them? Absolutely. They get a whole bunch of tax breaks. And I couldn't speak to that. You know, I couldn't speak to this, the numbers that go directly along with that. But certainly, um, they do get a lot of a lot of tax breaks. And it is very, um, I would say, controversial. There's certainly people who have different perspectives on that. Of course, there are some people who say, well, that's no problem. It's bringing industry, it's bringing jobs, it's bringing um, new economy to our country. It's, it's no problem. Whereas other people are saying, sure, but at the same time, they should be paying something or they should pay, be paying more than what they, what they are paying for. Yeah, for what they get in in the country. So, um, yeah, it's something that is still it hasn't changed recently, from my understanding of of the laws um, or the corporate tax laws, which obviously <laughs> I don't have a ton of knowledge about. But it is something that's in the that's in the uh, in the general uh, conversation. You know, if people are talking about these 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 companies, everybody's aware of the fact that they are getting corporate tax breaks and there will be differing opinions on whether that is a good thing or a bad thing for the, for the economy and for the country. Yeah. But on the other hand, they're also employing a bunch of Irish people, which is good, That's, is good for the economy, right? Absolutely. That's exactly what the argument is, is they're like, we're bringing tons of jobs at, bring tons of jobs. And, um, or if we're not bringing jobs, you know, if we're bringing, a friend of mine works for an American company, for example, and a lot of the, the employees are, let's say, Americans who are over there on, you know, two-year contracts. And sure, dad is working at the company, but he also brought along his wife and his two kids, um, and they are contributing to the economy, buying things, you know, she may or may not work, um, you know, kids are going to school, et cetera, et cetera. So it certainly, I think, is help bolstering the economy and in that way. Yeah. Interesting. Now, another sort of lens into culture is, of course, people. And I know, I, I seem to recall, you were dating or are dating in Ireland. And I, I remember you saying the experience has been a little bit different. <laughs> is, is that something you do? Oh, man. Is that something you're willing to talk about? We don't have to talk about that. But. Yeah, no, we can talk about that. <laughs> okay. So, so okay. Gen maybe in general, I guess... How is dating in Ireland different than it was in Canada? <laughs> okay, this is this is very funny to talk about on a podcast, but let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Irish people, I was having this conversation with a friend the other day about just what it is about Irish people. Like they are so friendly when you, and, and tourists will always say that. I don't consider my, I definitely don't consider myself a tourist in Ireland, but tourists will always comment on how friendly Irish people are. But then when expats settle, they'll often comment, they're like, yeah, they're they're friendly, but 
but there's something. What is it? What is it? And I was talking with an Irish friend about that. And she said, because she's heard this a lot from other people too. And she says, what I think it is, is that we are friendly. So people automatically assume that because we're friendly, we're very open. And she's like, I don't know if we actually are open in terms of like, um, allowing people into our inner circle and being completely forthright and, you know, open about our private thoughts or feelings or, or these sort of things. We're very friendly, but th those are two different things. And that resonated with me a lot. And I feel like my experience in dating in Ireland is that I can go out and have a great cup of coffee with somebody, with some guy, and we can have a great chat. But to go deeper than that um, can be challenging. And I think it's, I don't know if it's a protection or a guard or something, but definitely there, there is a bit of a feeling of closed offness um, and it can be hard to crack that shell. And I've heard that from other expats too, not just Canadians, but, you know, Brazilians or, you know, French people or whatever, just that um, the Irish men can be, can be challenging to get past the surface level with and just figuring out what what is going on here <laughs> are you into me or or is this just friendship and you're just being friendly or do you want something to happen here um are we both feeling the same thing am i going to see you again can you you know that sort of thing i think it's also not just the irish culture i think it's also just a worldwide culture you know Ireland sees its fair share of ghosting, same as anywhere else in the world. <laughs> um, you know, so that is, I think, contributing as well. But but I would say in general, it has to do with this. They're a little bit more, I don't know if closed off or reserved um, mm -hmm. is the right word. But the fact that they're perceived as friendly can throw you off um, because you liken the two with each other. And actually, they're quite different. Yeah, it's it's funny you'd mentioned ghosting because I, I, I've heard it also called... But not not when you ghost someone in your life, but when mm. you leave like a party without telling anybody, I've heard that called the Irish goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I haven't heard that before, but that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it, well, I think in, um, you probably haven't heard that before because in Ireland, it's just called the goodbye. <laughs> exactly yeah it's just part of part of the thing um yeah and again like that's not to say that irish people you can't warm up to them but i think just particularly or that they don't warm up to you or disclose or you know could be very personable and personal but i think in the dating context it certainly is a challenge i think particularly um, you know, if you're somebody like me who just likes, I wear my heart on my sleeve. So that's <laughs> a little bit harder for me as well. So does that mean that when you're, you, when you're dating someone, you just kind of, do you have to be more direct with them and say things like, so I need you to tell me right now <laughs> if we're going to see each other again? Cause I really like, like, is that something you've, you've had to change in your own behavior while dating? That's really funny because one of my close friends in Ireland, is a is one of the another canadian expat and we've spoken about this before and actually you'd think that might be the route um adam but that is completely wrong really <laughs> do not do that okay do not do that you're gonna scare the that shit is, out of somebody if you do that right exactly exactly yes you can you have to just be cool you just have to go with the flow <laughs> and yeah you can't be too forthright because that is going to terrify them <laughs> so you just have to wait till the moment is correct and then you can slip in the subtle question and find out information which is not again i wear my heart on my sleeve and i'm not the most 
patient with subtle hints. I like to just be pretty direct. So um, it certainly uh, is a good uh, learning learning point for me in terms of patience and understanding subtle cues. <laughs> well, yeah, and it brings up all these all these other um, questions in my mind anyway. You know, when I talk to other expats, I, I, I don't. I don't think that I would consider Canadians to be sort of direct or in your face or maybe not even always open to meeting new people, having new experiences. I would consider many Canadians that I know to be a little bit more reserved outside of mm. their friend circle. But when I talk mm. to expats, it, it sounds like in some ways we're we're sort of like steamrollers when we travel compared to some of these other <laughs> cultures we encounter. So I feel like, you know in contrast to other cultures, we're actually a little bit more brash and open mm -hmm. in the way that you would stereotypically consider an American to be when you put us against other cultures like Irish people or, or folks in Africa and that sort of thing. It's very interesting. And I think that that may be true. I also wonder if there's a second component to it. I wonder if it's partly because you're talking to expats. <laughs> yeah. And expats, yeah. I remember re listening to one of the interviews recently, um, how they were talking about you have to be a certain breed to be an expat and enjoy being an expat. Um, because I can tell you, like, I've met quite a number of Canadian expats in Ireland, and I'm like, and some of them, to be honest, would be much happier if they just went back to Canada and it, it's not it's not the right path for them mm -hmm. so it could be a combination of both partly maybe our culture is a little bit more outgoing and and brash that more brash than we um than we bra brass brash <laughs> than we than we think we are um but it also may be the fact that expats are just by our nature, we have to be a little bit more outgoing. You have to put yourself out there to meet people, to make connections, to get a job. Um, yeah, than you would be at home when you're in Canada. I, because another thing I remember is um, a Canadian talking about how they were struggling to find, to make friends in Ireland and how they found that a lot of Irish people were just kind of, they had their circle of friends from school or you know, university or whatever, and that was just who they like to stick with. And it was hard for this person to make inroads into into those circles. And I just kind of challenged her and I said, okay, but when you were living back in Canada, when you met immigrants or expats from other countries, how often were you bringing them into your circle? Like how often did somebody enter your own circle of friends from university? Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, she's, she said, that is a very good point. And, um, we had this conversation because she was going back to Canada and she said, you know, I'm going to be so much, I'm going to try to be so much better back in Canada about bringing new people into my circle or looking out for those people who are trying to find um, friends or networks or whatever social circles, whatever you want to call it, because um, I never did that before, but now I understand. Now I understand what it's like. Yeah. And I, I think that the expat experience puts you in a different context, right? So when, mm -hmm. when you're at home, you do have that sort of baseline group of friends and, you know, maybe you just don't want to add any more to the, to the list, but, but there are people, <laughs> there are people in society who, who need that connection to be successful because either they've moved to a place permanently or they're visiting temporarily and they need to mm -hmm. find ways to integrate. I think, I think we talk a big game, certainly in Canada, about welcoming newcomers 
But when the mm. when the rubber hits the road, I'd say there are fewer of us that are doing the important work of building connections with those newcomers. And many of and then on the other side, there's a lot of us who have every intention to do that, but it's mm. also just a little too far outside our comfort zone. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And I think it's so important. And I think that even, the, yeah, my, my experience as an expat just shows how ex important it is to make new connections. Both for myself as an expat, I look at, you know, needing that and trying to find that and hoping to find other people that are looking for new friendships and new networks, that sort of thing, or dating relationships or whatever the experience may be. Um, but yeah, when I look back in my life in Canada, same thing, like I, I would make friends from work or, you know, whatever the situation may be, maybe some volunteering or stuff like that. But certainly there, there wasn't, I wasn't going out of my way to find those newcomers in Canada. And sometimes you do have to put yourself out there as a Canadian, because again, you have to remember that you are the one in, in the position of privilege. And it can be hard for somebody, particularly if they don't have the language. Gosh, I am so lucky I have the language. You know, I can go out there and read the signage and have a conversation with somebody easy peasy, no problem. But if I didn't have the language, that would add a second barrier to trying to make contacts and make friends in Ireland. So if somebody's coming to Canada and is trying to make friends, it can be hard enough to get out there and figure out where to do that because they may not even understand the structures of Canadian society. Then you have the whole level of being, in, you know, worried about your English and am I going to make a fool of myself or say something wrong by mistake? Um, let alone just that experience of making a new friend. It's hard. It's harder than you remember when you when you go back to it and and put yourself in that position of making a new friend. You forget that it actually takes work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you really want to make a new friend outside of university, which seems to be the easiest time in our lives to make to make friends because I don't know why, for multiple reasons, I suppose, then it actually takes work on your part, time and effort and and lots of lots of other components. I've read some articles about it that are very interesting. So I think if Canadians can go out of their way to do that, it, it will be, not only is it going to make you feel good, you're going to meet a new person, and it really will help with the integration of these newcomers to Canada who really just want to be part of part of Canada and be part of the community. Yeah, and you know, you talk about language as a barrier, it, you know, we many of us Canadians pride ourselves on being open and accepting of people of other cultures, but you know, even, even the color of your skin can be a barrier and people don't even realize the bias they have to, to sort of wrapping their arms around newcomers who don't look like they quote unquote, yeah, I'm doing air quotes on a podcast, look <laughs> like they don't fit in. So I, I would suggest knowing not very much about Ireland outside of, you know, what I've read and what you've told me, you probably had an easier time of it, not only because you spoke English, but because you're a white woman. For sure. Yeah, I know that. And, and actually, and, and I have not only that, it's, I even have the correct accent. So uh. one of my, uh, yes. So another thing about Ireland, which is fantastic and wonderful, it is obviously part of the European Union. Um, and one of the large populations that come to Ireland are uh, Polish people. And certainly by no means is this the majority, but there will be people in Ireland who are not necessarily happy about that. Um, so, you know, you, you may be a white so my, my good friend, Olga, uh, she's from Poland. She is a white woman, just like myself, um, speaks English 
as honestly probably better than me <laughs> um but her accent is polish so she would have different barriers in some scenarios than i would yeah um so yeah it's it, and she actually taught me a wonderful lesson is i was talking about myself and my experiences and meeting with other canadian expats and she just kind of olga has this wonderful way she just kind of smiled and i was like what and she's like oh i was just thinking about how you call yourself an expat and how you are a Canadian expat. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, whenever people refer to me in Ireland, I'm a Polish immigrant, mm -hmm. but people refer to you as a Canadian expat. Very few people will refer to you as a Canadian immigrant, even though we are the exact same thing. And it's just that simple word expat versus immigrant. Um, so in Irish society, I now try and refer to myself. And even when I'm with other Canadians, I'll try and refer to us as Canadian immigrants because we are, we are immigrants yeah. of Canadian descent in Ireland and making that small distinction, I think just helps, um, in our, in a very, very small way, level the playing field a little bit and just remind people that just because I'm from, uh, from Canada is no different i go through the same immigration process actually i go through more immigration process than a polish person because they're part of the eu mm -hmm. um you know doesn't mean any difference between the two of us so it was an interesting learning point for me to think about even just the simple use of the word the privilege in using the word expat versus somebody calling me an immigrant uh, you know i'm really glad you brought that up because that has been a, a frequent cr uh, criticism maybe that people don't hear on the show but uh, when I first created it, I got a lot of questions, a lot of side eye about why I chose the <laughs> word expats. And, and, and it, you know, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, a, it's a privileged word. Everyone I talk to who's living in another country on a permanent basis should probably be described as a Canadian immigrant. But, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's expats, I don't know, it had a nicer ring to it. It was like a marketing <laughs> choice, which, yeah, no. and one that I have to explain over and over again, and rightly so. So you're absolutely right. Language totally matters. Labels, unfortunately, do matter in the context that we're talking about, for sure. That certainly wasn't a criticism of your podcast. What's no, 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 it's just, I know. Yeah, it, sound, it sounds much nicer. But I think <laughs> I think also something that, uh, that made me think about it was the fact that, um, obviously, I was over here during Brexit. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, you did hear a lot of news or interviews with um british quote-unquote expats living in spain who were who vote who voted to leave the eu but they wanted to keep their status in spain as british expats they didn't want to leave spain you know they live full-time in spain because why wouldn't you want to live in spain <laughs> but they don't but they don't want to be part of the eu um but they don't see themselves as and they don't want any immigrants quote-unquote immigrants right. in in england and it's like, but you are an immigrant in Spain. No, no, no. I'm an I'm a British expat. Well, that's what <laughs> that's what an immigrant or an expat is. You know, they're the same thing. So um, it's an interesting word and just something that again, few a few populations in the world get to use. And I think it's important for us to remember that we are immigrants. And I think um, it's hopefully it's a reminder when I use it to people to to remember that I am no better, no worse. I am the same as a Syrian uh, Chinese person, a Polish person. I'm, I'm the same as that, any of those people in the context of Irish society. 
We're going to take just a quick break so I can tell you a bit more about our sponsor this show, ATB Financial. If you have an idea that you're ready to turn into a business, you need to check out ATBX. It's an incubator, an accelerator, and a cohort of entrepreneurs disrupting their industries. ATB's intensive 14-week business accelerator program supports these Albertan entrepreneurs from very diverse industries who are in the market validation stage with a curriculum, connections, and community. To find out more about how you can become involved, go to atb.com slash atbx for more information. That's atb.com slash atbx. And now, on with the show. So um, just a few last questions uh, to cap things off. Uh, the one that I am very fond of asking people that I speak to is, what is it that you miss about Canada? And it can be, it, you know, everyone says friends or family, but I'm looking for the superficial. <laughs> no, those, yes. <laughs> those creature comforts. Is there anything from Canada that you miss that you can't really access in Ireland? It always comes down to food for me. <laughs> it's always food. I have a wonderful group actually now. I'm really lucky. I'm friends with about, um, I don't know, four or five uh, wonderful Canadian girls. And we often hang out. We'll probably see each other at least once a month. And we have like a Facebook chat. We're always chatting about food. Or sorry, we're always chatting about plans. And, and it does include food. Um, and so we do this thing now. If any of us are going back to Canada or even the States, it'll be like, okay, I'm heading off. Who wants to put an order in? What do you want? <laughs> and everybody gets to, everybody gets to pick one, one thing. <laughs> and then, you know, you get brought back your bag of Twizzlers or your hickory sticks or your shake and bake or your craft <laughs> um, dinner. Those are all ones that um, the other girls life, like, um, and what are they? Um, ketchup chips and Triscuits. Triscuits. I miss Triscuits. You can't get yeah. Triscuits in Ireland? No. Gosh, you do not know. We've, we've, ha us girls have had long, we have long conversations about Canadian food, but we talk about how much we miss a good cracker. <laughs> <laughs> and for us, the pinnacle of a good cracker is a Triscuit. So I hope Triscuits is listening to this and they can like provide me with some sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. You, you, um, you could become an expat influencer in Ireland. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I would say like, so I was back in Canada over Christmas. Mm -hmm. And what I brought back was a box of Triscuits. I brought back some Aunt Jemima's <laughs> pancake <laughs> mix and syrup. Um, what else did I bring back? Oh, uh, oh, Henry bar and a and a and a uh, crispy crunch. Ooh. Um, oh, and Saskatoon berry jam. I love Saskatoon berries. Well, of course. Um, so those are yeah. The, the one funny thing is a lot of people here, of course, as you've heard on other shows, is that thing of, oh, Canadian maple syrup. You know, that, that comes up a lot. And people will say things like, oh, do you like do you like this? I don't know, for, for breakfast or something. And there's maple syrup. Oh, this is good maple syrup. Do you like this maple syrup? Or I don't know. Some, they'll always bring it up. And to be honest, I always have to bite my tongue because... I like Aunt Jemima's more than I do. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible Canadian. You're a bad uh, Canadian. Um, I'm a bad Canadian. I love Aunt Jemima's more than I do. Here, I'm announcing it on this podcast. Oh, I like boy. Aunt Jemima's more than I like um, real, quote unquote, real real maple syrup. So um, I had to bring some of that back because you can find maple syrup over here. It's no problem. So, so, <laughs> so when, you bring these, when you bring these foods back from your travels to Canada or you get these care packages or whatever... Are you, do you ration the Triscuits or, or do you just overindulge? 
I am an overindulger. I had that box of Triscuits gone in, no joke, two days. <laughs> I think I ate it half one day and half the next. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, yeah. But I do ration my, I, what I actually bought was, um, I don't know, they, um, Superstore had a whole bunch of like the, the bite size O Henry bars, oh, yeah. like a package of six or something like that. And so I bought one of those and I've been slowly rationing out the chocolate. So the O Henry and the crispy crunch bite size, I still have, I think one of each left. So it's, it's getting to be time where I'm going to have to put in another order for those as well. <laughs> so, so wait, does that mean that you schedule uh, travel back to back to Canada based <laughs> on the supply level of the sort of Canadian things you need to bring back? <laughs> that would be amazing if I did that, <laughs> but I don't actually know. I kind of have my, to be honest, I usually come, my, my plan has always been to come back in the summer. Um, it didn't work out last summer because of visa issues requirements basically um but my plan has always been to come back for the edmonton fringe and then pop over to vancouver um so once once a year visit yeah oh, cool so i just gotta ration myself for that year <laughs> so so then you know having lived in in dublin before in, in the year 2000 um and comparing that experience to today how has the standing of Canadians changed in the eyes of the Irish people in your experience or, or has it like, I guess what the reason that I'm asking is we always hear everyone loves Canadians. Canadians are so nice and they're so polite and all this <laughs> stuff. But I mean, I don't always buy that. So, you know, mm -hmm. how are we regarded there and has that changed since your last time living there? I would say there's a slightly more, I, I again I was listening to another podcast the other day about another expat who's talking about like you know they think we're lovely and friendly and stuff but they don't really know anything about Canada which is very true I would say but um from 2000 there was absolutely no knowledge it was like oh you live in a country that's north of the states <laughs> and now I would say it's a little bit more like oh you live in a country that has Trudeau isn't he great <laughs> ah. that would be that I know man he uh, he is a poster child for Canada right now um and also partly because the um Taoiseach which is the close it's not the same but I'll just say it's like parallel to the prime minister I'll say okay the Taoiseach here Leo Vradker um is had a picture taken with um they had a meeting at some point and they had pictures taken together so everybody knows you know leo and and justin having a picture <laughs> taken together i think they were i think they were showing i can't remember if it was leo or um justin i'm on first name basis with both of them of course obviously. uh we're showing yeah they had like cool socks on i think they both did so they were like showing off you know one their their fancy you know fancy socks <laughs> so everybody knows that but um yeah so i'd say the only difference really is maybe a slightly a small very very minuscule awareness of um canada is actually having like a political system and, and such but i'm very much the person that as soon as people bring up canada it's always this very utopian view of what canada is our politics our um you know, just, just what it must be like. And to be honest, I'm always like, yeah, 
Sure. <laughs> now let me also tell you, because I think it's very important for people to have a balanced view of what a society looks like. So I like to, not that I'm bashing Canada, because I think Canada's a, a very lovely place and is uh, doing a lot of great things and trying its best. Um, but I like to make sure that they also understand that, um, you know, there is no society, I think, at the moment that has everything, you know, checked off. No way. Yeah. Checked all the way all the way down you know so just to understand that um i think it's important that I, I i do provide some balance to to those to those perspectives and make sure that they understand the areas that we struggle in as well because because i think it's important yeah i think that's great but it might you might sometimes come across as a killjoy if they're like canada's great and you're like yes but let me tell you about <laughs> systemic racism against indigenous people you, just, you, you know what? You're the life of the party, Cadence. <laughs> I, honestly, I've had I've had almost that exact conversation where like, Canada's great, Trudeau's great. I'm like, yes, but have you heard about the missing and murdered Aboriginal women in Canada? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that nothing has happened since Trudeau has got, you know, these sort of things. Um, so yeah, I'm a bit of a killjoy in certain situations, <laughs> <Yeah>. I guess. <laughs> I would always just advise you when you're having those conversations at like parties or gatherings just to be like, yeah, Canada's great. Go <laughs> grab another drink and we can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Adam. You're helping my social life. Exactly. Uh, I'll, 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 make, I'll make a note of that. <laughs> so, um, you know, you said you, you've met other, other expats, other immigrants. Um, what have you observed about other Canadians who live abroad, whether that's, you know, in Dublin or, or in Berlin, where you are right now? Are we good ambassadors for our country? I would say there are two different types of expats and again I think it comes down to this idea of whether or not you are cut out for the expat lifestyle so there is a Facebook group there's a couple Facebook groups but there's a large one called um, Canadians in Ireland I think it's called mm -hmm. Canadians in Ireland um, or Canadian expats in Ireland or something like that and so there's a couple thousand people on there and people are always chatting away and this is the one that I will always remember is somebody at one point got on there and was ranting away about, oh, I don't like Ireland and I'm not happy here and um, et cetera, et cetera. And it's because of, and somebody was like, well, what's, what's, what's the detail? Like, what, what's actually going on for you? And they're like, well, I don't like the quality of life here. And then a few of us were like, well, what do you mean by that? What, what's your problem here? Like, Ireland has a pretty high quality of life. What's the issue? Well, I can't find a house that has a two-car garage. <laughs> and I, you know, Mike, I, I have, I think it was like a three, a three bedroom house, but that doesn't leave me a spare bedroom for my office or for guests. So like my kids have their own rooms and my wife and I have a room, but you know, what about the spare room and the, you know? so it all came down to material things. And I was just stopped commenting because I got really frustrated by that. I think if you go into a society bringing the exact same level of expectations that you have and standard that you have from another society, that is completely unfair. Mm -hmm. Ireland, actually Europe, does not have houses that look like Canadian houses or American houses there's not the land for it nobody here unless you're like a millionaire in Ireland nobody has like a two-car garage most people don't even have a garage um, you know you have small terraced houses you have 
very few of them are actually detached houses. You know, most of them are connect joined houses, what in Canada we would either call like um, duplexes, you know, two houses kind of duplexes, I think, you know, where it's, ta- it's connected. Is yeah. that what it would be called? Like two houses joined in the center? Yeah, I think so. Um, so many are like that. Many are like that. Many are row houses. So I think that would be called a townhouse in Canada where there's, you know, lots of houses connected one by one after another and very tall. Um, You know, so it's just, it's just very different. A lot of, um, a lot of people, a lot of Irish people would have a car, but they would only have one in the family. So um, there are those people who come to Ireland and they expect just to they expect Ireland to be Canada, but with a different accent, I think. (laughs) And that's not what Ireland is. Yes, it's a white country, you know, Caucasian country with English speakers, but it's not the same. So you have to be open to experience the country and the culture as it is and be open to that. Um, The funny thing is, is I, I wonder about these people who complain about Ireland coming to Ireland and it not being like Canada, if those are the same people who complain about um, immigrants who come to Canada and don't integrate. <laughs> That's a. I wonder if they are the same people. That is a really great question. I would assume that they are the same people because why wouldn't they I be? I think they might be. Yeah. Yeah. So... So, so there's those people who complain a lot. And the other thing is I've just gotten very blunt. blunt. There's another person I can think specifically of that be wary because they might listen to this, Uh, but they, you know, there are other people who also complain about just not liking it for whatever reason. And I'm always, my opinion is always like, then leave. Yeah, We do come from Canada. We are very privileged to have Canadian passports, which means you can go back to Canada or if you, you know, get sponsored, you can go somewhere else or go on a working holiday visa. We are very lucky you're not here as a refugee or as asylum seeker or because you cannot go back to a country with a wonderful economy and a great social care system. Like, that's not an issue. So just go back (laughs) if you're unhappy. And I would also say that to anyone, even in I feel so comfortable and at home in Ireland. If you don't feel comfortable at home in somewhere and you're privileged enough to be able to leave, then leave. You know, that's my that's my thought on it. On the other hand, there are those people that are wonderful Canadian ambassadors. Those are the girls that I hang out with. You know, they love Ireland. We all have our complaints, of course. You know, little things that irk us. You know, the lineups at the GNIB, which is where you get your um, like your immigrant card and the appointment system and you know various the banking system oh don't get me started on the banking system <laughs> you know we we all have our things that you know dr- kind of drive us up the wall but but for the most part we embrace the experience we look at all the amazing benefits and privileges that we have to live that come with living in Ireland um, and just embrace it and and enjoy it so um, yeah I'm. I, I, those are the those are the type of people I like to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, you talked earlier about the this idea of a great piece of advice for expats is to look into that sort of holiday visa. Is there mm-hmm. is there any other advice you would give to Canadians who maybe are seeking an expat experience or or are you know their jobs moving and they're sort of being forced in a way to to go mm-hmm. and try a new experience abroad? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're so if you want the experience, I definitely say looking to the working holiday visa. Again, it has age restrictions on it, but you can pretty much go anywhere in the world with it. And it's such a wonderful experience. Um, again, if you don't like it, you can always go home. <laughs> it's not, it's not the worst thing. You're never, I think, 
nobody is ever going to regret traveling. Um, 99% of the time, at least, you're never going to regret going somewhere new and trying something new and experiencing it and pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. Um, for those people who may be in a situation where they're being asked to go abroad, you know, for work or whatever, I think it just comes down to that, that thing of being really open and to the experience and what it brings and what it and how it challenges you know that in either situation you are going to be pushed out of your comfort zone and there are going to be times that are stressful about things that you would not experience stress with if you were back home in Canada but again that only adds to your character um, and your life experience and really I think I am so much richer and um honestly I think even just a better person for my my opportunities to have traveled so much and to have lived abroad I feel like I understand about um, the world about even how privileged I am in terms of moving to new places I think about somebody let's say from Syria who shows up on in Dublin I cannot I, I can't even fathom how hard that must be so if anything if nothing else it's going to increase somebody's compassion and empathy for other humans in the world hopefully <laughs> um yeah so I think it's just being open I mean there are so many practical considerations one thing is be prepared for missing things that you wouldn't expect to miss mm. and finding things challenging that you wouldn't expect to find challenging like i said the banking situation in ireland is always a headache for expats particularly from north america because i think it's just very different from our north american experience mm. and it's one of those things you don't think about you don't think that going to a new country and you know again a western country is going to be challenging with the banking system but that is you know or the driving license situation same thing you think that you know maybe that getting your your luggage you know or moving boxes over there is going to be the hard thing how do i ship it over where do i collect it you know these sort of things but sometimes it's the most random and weird little thing that is going to give you the biggest headache <laughs> and that concludes the expats i cannot overstate how much i've enjoyed making this show if you want to reach out and share with me what listening to the expats has done for you, I'd love to hear from you. Email me, your host, Adam Rosenhart, at info at expatspodcast.ca. You can also leave a comment on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Expats Podcast. The Expats has been a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. There are so many wonderful shows that the Alberta Podcast Network supports. If you're finding that the expats has left a hole in your podcast playlist, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com to discover more fantastic Made in Alberta content. And who knows, maybe we'll meet one another someday out there in the world. In the meantime, be excellent to each other and consider staying subscribed to this feed. There's a good chance I'll announce here in a few months what I'm doing next. Thank you so much for listening.